this church and many of you individually as disciples invest a lot in missions locally and around this world. We give money. This church gives a lot of money to missions. We spend a lot of time engaged in being on mission for Christ. Uh, We support a lot of ministries that are intended to reach people locally and around the world. Spend time praying about it. And um, as you know, we just finished, for instance, Operation Christmas Child, which is uh, part of the Samaritan's Purse Ministry, sending these shoe boxes and the gospel to kids and families around the world. And we're in a, a season this month when we focus on our world mission offering. Our goal is $100,000. And as you see on your bulletin cover, you've already given over 60000 toward that. There's an insert in your bulletin today about mission trips scheduled for 2015. And then uh, next fall, we're going to have a, a missions conference and missionaries from different countries, particularly those we, we have partnerships with, are going to be here. And uh, a lot of people ask, why do we do all that? Why do we make such a, a, a large, significant investment of money and time and resources? When Manisa and I were home in Kentucky visiting our parents a couple of weeks ago, one evening my, some of my family were together at Mom's and we were talking about uh, different things and got on the subject of Operation Christmas Child because that's a, the shoeboxes, that's a big ministry in my home church. And I uh, got talking about other things. My brother, who's not that active in church, was asking um, honestly and maybe a little bit cynically as well why the church does so much around the world when there's so many people with needs right here in their own community. Now, that church does a lot locally. So it's not that they're coming up short in that. They do a lot locally. But he, he was asking that particular question. So we had a conversation in the next several moments about it. I'm, I, I've been a pastor a long time, long enough to know there are people in this room who ask similar questions. We've sent mission teams to different countries and we've asked people, why are we going there? Why do we do that? And so I know those questions are on the minds of some people in this church as well. And I want to say to you, it's not an either or, it's a both. This church does a lot locally. But this church is going to continue doing a lot in North America and around the world. And today, I want to talk about why. I want to talk about why we should care, why you should care, and also share with you some of the ways you are caring and making a difference, just to help you understand the impact that together we're having in this world. And as we begin, I invite you to look in John chapter 3, a very famous verse. Most of you can quote it from your heart, from memory, as we begin answering this question, why should we care? Why should we make such a significant investment in missions in North America and around the whole world and other, other continents? And I think the verse that summarizes it better than others, and we're, we're going to look at several, but I want to start with this one. Is that famous verse? Would you say it with me in John 3.16? Just say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave Now, that's what the Bible tells us about the heart of God. I want us to, just for a moment, look at that verse and ask the question, what does it tell us about God? What do we learn about God? And the first thing is we learn that God loves. And He loves big. He cares. He cares about the world and the people in it. 
And it's more than words. He cares enough. He's willing to give. He's willing to sacrifice. And God gave what was most precious to himself, his only son. Not just for me, not just for you, but for everyone, people in America, people in Africa, people in South America, people in Europe, people in Asia, people everywhere. There's not one, listen, there is not one person alive on this planet today for whom Jesus did not die. He died for every single human being. That is the size of God's love. Think about this world. The population of our planet this morning is over 7 billion, almost 7.3 billion, and it's growing by the seconds. And over 4 billion, between 4 and 5 billion of those 7 billion do not know Jesus Christ. And God loves them. God cares about them. And so should we. I mean, if God cares, what does that say about us? How can we love Jesus and not care about what he cares about? If we're walking in intimate fellowship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the, the, the Messiah that we celebrate at Christmas every year, the Messiah that the, the choir is going to be singing about this evening at 4 and 7 o'clock, the, the, the Messiah that the children's choir sing about, the Messiah that we all talk about, Jesus is the reason for the season when we complain about how secularized Christmas has become. That Messiah was born for everyone because God cares about everyone. How can we, if we, listen, if we love that Messiah, if we love that Savior, if we love the Jesus of Christmas, we're going to care about the things that are dear to his heart. And the people in this world who do not know Jesus Christ are dear to the heart of God. That means they will be dear to our heart if we love, you, listen, we, can't, we cannot love Jesus and not care. We, we cannot be close to Jesus and not care. They need the gospel. When it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he didn't do that just because he thought it was a good idea. He did it because the world needed that kind of love and that kind of sacrifice, the atonement for sin. Jesus died because the people in all those nations on all those continents today are lost because they're sinners and they need Christ for salvation, just like I need Christ and you need Christ for salvation. That world is a lost world that God loves, and we're supposed to love that world as well. But there are other reasons we should care. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19? Go therefore and do what? Make disciples of whom? All nations, all ethnos, all ethnic groups, all people groups. Jesus said the commandment, and by the way, the last thing he said to the church before ascending to the Father in heaven was that. Those are his last words. Think of it as a last will and testament. Don't you think that someone's final words reveal what is important to them, what matters to them, what is really on their heart? And the last thing Jesus said to us as his followers before returning to the Father was go and make disciples of everyone. He goes on to say, baptizing them and teaching them to observe what I've taught you. Go and make disciples of all nations, not just North America, not just your community, not just your family, 
Not just your friends, all nations. And by the way, brothers and sisters, when God gives a commandment to us as the church, that means He's giving a commandment to me as an individual disciple who is part of that family, and He's giving one to you as an individual part of that family. Because the church is us, it is me, it is you. And we cannot say, well, that's the church's job without also at the same time saying it's my job because we are, I am, you are, we are the church. And so another reason to care is Jesus commanded us to care. He commanded us to make disciples. He commanded us to be engaged in reaching people throughout the world and people everywhere need the gospel. You remember what Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Well, if one of the commandments is to go and make disciples of every nation, loving him means we do what he told us to do. But there's another reason you and I should care, and it's found in the, the book of, uh, of, of Romans in chapter 10. Several verses, they'll be on the screen, but let me just turn here my Bible and, and then talk about these for a moment. The earlier part of chapter 10, he explains how to be saved. We often quote these verses when we're sharing the gospel with someone. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Remember that? Romans 10, 9 and 10, one of the most important evangelistic verses in all of the Bible. Well, it's in that same passage that he adds in verse 13, and we often quote this one when we're sharing the gospel with a lost person, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will what? Be saved. People are saved because they call on Jesus Christ. Well, notice what he says here. He asks a series of questions. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Belief precedes asking. How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Hearing about Jesus precedes believing in Jesus. Is that not true? Someone told you about Jesus before you believed in him. May have been your parents, may have been a Sunday school teacher, may have been a friend, may, may have been a co-worker, but someone told you about Jesus before you ever believed in him. You believed in him before you ever called on him. And then he continues with this series of questions at the end of verse 14, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, a preacher's not, don't think of that word as just being somebody who does, who does what I'm doing right now. It's someone who, announce, who, de, who, who announces, who declares, who speaks, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who proclaims it. That's what you do when you witness to a co-worker. You're preaching. That's what you do when you talk with a relative about Jesus Christ. You're preaching. You're proclaiming the gospel. And Paul asks a very important question here. He says, how are they going to believe if they've not heard and how are they going to hear unless someone preaches, someone proclaims, someone speaks? And by the way, for local evangelism, you've heard me say this many times, but let me say it again. When we say my life is my witness, that is an incomplete statement. Because your life is not a witness unless they know Jesus Christ is the reason you're living the way you live. Preaching, witnessing involves your mouth, proclaiming the good news of Christ, the plan of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not enough simply to live a godly life. It is essential that we live a godly life, an obedient life, but it is just as essential that we open our mouth and speak for the Lord Jesus Christ. Locally, and in Africa, and in South America, and in China, and in the Ukraine, 
How can they believe unless they've heard? And how can they hear unless somebody talks, he says? Somebody's got to tell them. And then verse 15, how will they preach? How will they proclaim unless they are what? See, everybody in this room has a responsibility to proclaim Christ wherever you are. But everybody in this room who loves Jesus Christ also has a responsibility to help send. We have a responsibility to fulfill the commandment to go. And I'm going to suggest to you in a moment that that involves money and prayer, but it also involves even more than that. Now, based on that passage, if we don't do it together like one of the missionaries in the video said, if we send, if they're alone, they can't stand, we have to work together, it takes that united sacred effort. If we don't do it together, it will not get done. It takes all of us pulling together because the need is so great. So I'm going to take a few moments and share with you some information about that, that I hope and pray will help you understand how we as Southern Baptists do missions around the world and how you help and how you can participate. Many of you know that we support thousands of workers in North America. But we also support, support just under 5,000 missionaries who serve outside North America. We call them our international missionaries. And in a lot of our literature and videos, you'll hear them referred to as workers, not missionaries. Because many of them serve in sensitive areas and we can't call them missionaries. We can't tell you exactly where, where they live or exactly what country they're in or what they're, we'll even give you a, a false name. Because even to, to put their name on the internet could put their life at risk. So some of the stories I'm going to tell you this morning, it's not the person's true names and we'll say they're on this continent or part of the world. We won't tell you exactly where they are. And so you'll see that. We call them workers. They're missionaries. We call them workers for security reasons, for their safety, for their safety's sake. And every, I want you to know, every time you give an offering to this church, you help support all of those workers, all of those missionaries. There's, a, there's an, 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 an insert in your bulletin. I want us to take a moment and uh, look at that in a few moments. But right now I want to look at a chart. That helps you understand how we support our missionaries. There's basically two funding streams that uh, enable us as Southern Baptists to support our missionaries. One is the cooperative program and the other is our mission offerings. Now, uh, there's a, the insert that's in your bulletin is not that. We'll look at it in just a moment. That, but if you look on the screen at this flow chart, I know you won't be able to read all that, but let me try to explain it to you. And by the way, if somebody, I'm just going to say this, this is unplanned, totally spontaneous. We need to replace these projectors. They're 10 years old and they're not sharp anymore. And uh, I, 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 think it's, I think we need about $12,000 to replace both of them. So there it is. If God puts that on somebody's heart and you want to take care of that, there it is. Okay? And uh, they're t- they're anything electronic 10 years old is way outdated. And, it, and they're worn out. They just don't work well anymore. So, okay. All right. Stewardship committee, um, there's your plug. <laughs> um, the top one is the cooperative program. 
every Baptist church determines for itself how much money it's going to give to support our Baptist work around the world. And we funnel those funds through what we call the cooperative program. So in our current budget, 8% of every dollar that's given as a tithe to the budget of this church leaves this church through the cooperative program to support our Baptist efforts. That supports work in South Carolina, North, uh, North America, and the world. Of each state convention decides how much of those CP monies stay in that state and go on to the SBC. I won't bore you with the details, but between the different parts of our South Carolina budget, we now are upwards of 50% of what goes to Columbia makes its way on to the Southern Baptist Convention. Of that 50% that gets to the Southern Baptist Convention, half of it goes to the International Mission Board. So just through our cooperative program efforts alone, we give over $50,000, about $1,000 a week. So when you put your offering in, about $1,000 every Sunday goes from that offering to support our International Mission Board. And that provides a little over 30% of the funding for the International Mission Board. The largest funding stream for the International Mission Board is, is the, what's called the Lottie Moon Offering. Now, we have our world missions offering. Traditionally, Baptist churches will have three mission offerings. They'll have a state offering, supporting work in that state. And in South Carolina, that's the Janie Chapman offering. They'll have one for North American missions called the Annie Armstrong offering. And they'll have one for international missions called the Lottie Moon offering. We, several years ago, have gone to this combined effort of a world mission offering. And then our monies are divided among those three plus some other partnerships we have. Since we've done that, by the way, for those who, who, who have a question, since we've gone to this new approach, we've given more to missions than ever. And last year, some of you know, we were, in, we were number 80-something. We were in the top 100 of all southern, of 48,000 Southern Baptist churches. We were in the top 100 of over 48,000 Baptist churches in giving to international missions. So I say God's honored what we're doing. And um, the money that's given through this world mission offering that you're being asked to give now, the part that goes to the, to the world mission offering, to, to Lottie Moon, to the International Mission Board, which will be the majority of it, every dime of it, every penny of, the, of that offering that goes to the Lottie Moon offering for International Mission goes overseas to support missionaries. Not one cent is used for administrative costs. All of that is covered through the CP dollars. That's something that cannot be said of most enterprises out there. And I think that deserves a praise to the Lord as well. Um, about 59 or 60% of the IMB's monies come through this offering. So between the CP and this offering, you're looking at um, about uh, just a little below 90% of their income. So that's how we fund our, our missionaries. And I know some of you know that, but others of you don't. And I want you to know that and understand why this offering is so important. It's the lifeline, we often say, that, 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 our, that supports our missionaries so they can stay on the field. And, and so our missionaries don't have to spend time raising money. They don't have to spend time writing letters and making calls and coming back to raise money because we do that for them because we want them to spend their time doing what God put them on the field to do. Now, there's an insert in your bulletin. And it looks like they're on the screen. So if you want to go ahead and take that out for just a moment. 
And uh, guys, if you go ahead and go to the next slide, I want to walk you through this just a little bit. You've started at the top of that circle. Thousands of people and churches give through this offering that we're taking up this month and really throughout the year. 100% of it, as I use, that goes to Lottie Moon is used to support those missionaries. Now, look at the next bullet uh, on the bottom right. In one year, they shared the, his redemption story, the gospel, with 1.7 million people. Did you, did you catch that? And what's not on this sheet is that last year, 235,000 people were saved and baptized through the work of your international missionaries. Yeah. That's worthy of celebrating. Now, we're not the only Christian group that's sending missionaries around the world. Thank God, and our missionaries work in partnership with other evangelical Christian groups around the world as well. They trained at the bottom of it 23,000 nationals to start new churches. In other words, 23,000 people who are natives of whatever country they're in that are believers and members of local churches there, our missionaries train to know how to plant churches because we're trying to have an indigenous movement of people reaching their own people. And our missionaries are serving this catalyst. It's not that our missionaries are trying to reach everybody. They're trying to reach people, develop people, plant churches, help them know how to plant churches so that it multiplies an indigenous movement. You also see that last year we started 6,200, over 6,000 new churches internationally. And that while all that was happening to the left, all the while they worked to rescue slaves, feed orphans, and care for the needy. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And yet there's over 4 billion people who are still lost and need Jesus. And so every time you give an offering at this church, you're doing this kind of stuff. And when you, you give to this world mission offering, you're supporting these missionaries. Now, so, so one of the things you can do to care and to, and, and to help, you, you can help by giving to our world mission offering. As I mentioned a moment ago, our goal is 100000 um, We need 30-some thousand yet to, to reach that goal. The average cost to support one of our international International Mission Board missionaries is just over $50,000. And you can see the breakdown uh, per month, $4,200 per week, just under $1,000, and per day, $139. I want to challenge you to pray about choosing one of those numbers for your gift this year. For some of you, supporting a missionary for a day would be a, a sacrifice. For some of you, some of you are blessed and you, you, can, you can support a missionary for a week. Some of you could write that check right now. Some of you could write a check and support a missionary for a month. I, I don't know what God is saying to you, but that's just out there. Pray through that about your level of support and what God wants you to do to support one of our missionaries. For instance, a missionary, his real name's not Mitch, but I'm going to call him Mitch. He's from South Carolina. They live in... South Asia. He's involved in planting churches and training indigenous believers to plant churches. And in the last five years, the network that he leads, now listen, in the last five years, that network has planted in South Asia 1,200 new churches. They've seen 3,000 people baptized. Those churches now have over 10,000 believers worshiping in them. He travels a lot because he covers a large area about 500 miles in distance. He's gone on average about 10 or 12 nights a month. And recently at one of those small rural churches in South Asia, he stood 
on the bank of the canal as a local pastor that he trained in church planning and evangelism as that local pastor in January in the frigid water of a stagnant canal baptized six new believers. Before going to Asia, he was a... Yeah, go ahead. Before, before going to Asia, he was a successful businessman living and working in Texas, but God got hold of him and his wife's heart. That's the kind of people you're supporting when you pray and when you give. You can also help by praying. I want you to jot that number down. That's the IMB toll-free prayer number. 800-395-PRAY. Jot that down. If you lose it, you can go to the website, and the International Mission Board website and and get it. That's a toll-free number. You can call it 24 hours a day. They update it three times a week. You'll have two or three brief stories about missions work, and uh, and then a prayer request for each of those. I called it early this morning, and they told about an, a, a man named Matt, not his real name again, who lives in Senegal. He was a Muslim that came to faith in Christ through our missions effort last year. Last year, this Muslim convert to Jesus has led two other people to Jesus, one of them also a Muslim, and they tell you his story, and the prayer request is to pray for Matt as he disciples these two believers, these two new believers in this area where there are sometimes hostilities toward believers. So call the prayer line and pray. Write it down and pray. And then one more thing you can do to help you can go on a mission trip next year. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip outside North America? Raise your hand. All right. I want to encourage you to pray about going on a mission trip in 2015. There's another insert in your bulletin this morning that lists the mission trips that are already planned for next year. And you'll see them listed there in Zambia and Southern Africa. Uh, Birmingham, England, Alaska, Rochester, where we are supporting a church plant um, with Elliot Sneed, and then also in Florida, pray about uh, participating on one of those uh, those mission trips. Information meetings will be held really soon. Also, you can put on the bottom of that there's a tear-off card where you can express your interest in learning more, and that information will be given to Jamie and he'll, he'll our missions pastor, and he'll be in touch with you. But you know, just like. Some people ask, why, why do we do so much around here? Why do we give so much? Why do we do that? So I've had people ask, why do we go on mission trips? Why, why go to England? Why, why go to Africa? You know, why? Why? Well, let, let me talk about that real briefly. One, there's not enough missionaries to reach everybody in this world. Okay? There are not enough missionaries to reach everybody in this world. There just aren't. Two, you and I can have an impact when we go. And three, think about it this way. In America, with all the churches and all the pastors, okay, more churches and more pastors than you can shake a stick at, especially in the South. And yet, let me ask you a question. If, if, if all the pastors were, were evangelistic and witnessed, would all the pastors in this state be enough people to reach everybody in this state? It takes all of us, right? It takes you 
building relationships with neighbors and co-workers and relatives, praying for them, ministering to them, loving them, serving them, inviting them to church, sharing the gospel with them. Well, let me ask you, if it takes all of God's people in, in the South, the Bible Belt, to reach our communities, and, and, and the truth is we're not doing that very well. We're losing ground every day. But if it takes all of us because we know the preachers alone can't do it, they're not, not enough, why is it any different in the rest of the world? And, and many, most of these places we go to are less churched and less Christian than here. I mean, Rochester, New York, 10% of the people in that city know Jesus. 90% of the people in the third largest city in the state of, North, of, of New York are lost. 10% of the people in England go to church. 10 to 12%. There's not enough of them. I remember my first overseas trip back in the 90s when we went to Kenya. And, and some of the people just being amazed that someone would come from America to Africa to tell them about Jesus. And that very fact caused them to listen. Why do we go? Because we can have an impact and because our missionaries are asking us to come. They want our help. They need our help. That's why. So let me close by giving you one more, one more example of what your giving is doing. You know, um, big parts of our world, one of the problems they deal with is a lack of good water, pure water. Some places just a lack of water. There are parts of Kenya where the Maasai and other tribes live that often struggle with water. It's scarce, especially during times of drought. Enduri recently became a widow when her husband died, and she's now raising six kids alone. She has to walk seven miles. Now listen. She has to walk seven miles to get water. She can carry at most about five gallons, enough for that day or so. It takes most of the day. Because it's the only well in that region, there are often lines, long lines. Some women sleep all night so they won't lose their place in line to get water the next morning. Recently, through a part of our international Baptist work, in the area where she lives, a well was drilled. We drilled it. And through piping, and what we would call cisterns, they call tanks, water is sent out to four different areas. And it's a partnership with the locals. They invest a little bit so they have ownership because if people invest a little bit, they are more responsible. They take better care of it. And so they feel like it's theirs too. And now she doesn't have to walk seven miles to get water. And, and if you had all day, we could stand here all day telling story after story after story after story after story just like that. That's what your giving is doing. So let me close. Why should we care? 
how can we not care? Hmm? How can we as a follower of Christ not care? So because you care, will you pray? Will you consider going? Maybe there's somebody God's calling to be a missionary today. Not just calling to go on a mission trip, but calling to be a missionary. Come and tell us about it during the invitation. Will you give and will you do more than just tilt this offering? Will you give generously? Because it matters and it's making a difference. So let's stand. And after I pray, we're going to sing our invitation hymn. And I'm going to invite you to make your way to this altar. And um, pray about whatever's on your heart. Pray about your role in helping us as a church take the gospel to the world, not only locally, but today our focus is on outside this continent. Would you pray about your part in that? Maybe you need to pray about your heart and attitude toward it. Asking God to give you His heart and His attitude. Maybe you're here right now and you're just as lost as that person we hope to, to, to reach in Zambia when I lead a team over to Zambia in May. And I invite you to go with me. Maybe you're just as lost. I, I don't know who it is, but we're going to stop at a house in one of those remote villages and we're going we're to tell Bible stories. And There are going to be some people there who are lost and they're going to hear about Jesus through those Bible stories. But you're here right now and you're lost. You don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, I, and I'm saying to you right now that God loves you and wants to save you and wants to forgive you and He will if you'll receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And I'm inviting you to come to the altar, come to either me or Brother Steve Polk over here and, and say to one of us, Pastor, today I want to give my heart to Christ and become a Christian. There are some of you who need to join this church right now. You need to commit yourself and help us do what God's calling us to do. There are some of you you've accepted Christ, but you've never been baptized as a believer by immersion. And you need to come and request believer's baptism, publicly identifying with Jesus through baptism the way the New Testament teaches. So I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we'll sing. And as soon as we start the music, I want you to start walking to this altar, okay? Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your love for us. And I pray right now, Father, as you speak to the hearts of each of us, help us right now, Father, help us to obey you, to respond with an affirmative answer, to say yes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come and tell Steve. Come and tell Will your decision. I'm here. Come and kneel. And